Do you know which character in the Star Wars universe was the least vaccine hesitant? <laughs> uh, I forget. Uh, it was uh, Jabba the Hutt. That's not bad. Hold Might on, be the I, dumbest thing I've ever said on the show, but you know what? <laughs> it came to me a couple days ago, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, because I'm off Twitter, I'm going to save this. Normally, that would have just been a stupid tweet, but now it's this. Now, well, I mean, now, now it's an exclusive to the program, so I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. You can go pay $20 a year, and somehow Apple, Apple can help take you, uh, monetize this for us. Uh, okay, so Star Wars. Yeah, okay, that's about it. That's the opening. So I'll, we'll dive right into follow-up. Okay. So, oh, wait, what? When did it? Hmm. I just pasted something into Slack, and it did that auto-expand thing before I hit enter. That's kind of troubling. Hmm. All right, so a friend of the show, Taylor Swift. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm sure she cares a lot. Um, so we talked about last week about her re-release, uh, re-recording, and then subsequently, because that, that's the order of things, re-releasing um, her second or third album, Fearless. But I forgot to mention that she is... Um, put out a couple so we're we're in a post um like post physical media world mostly where people mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. nobody's renting uh discs from netflix or or quickster or whatever that thing was um so most of the there's you know there's much less of a, a quote-unquote media section at, at best buy stores now but um on taylorswift.com she is for some reason selling uh, like audio cassette versions of this re-recorded Fearless album for $19. And I don't know how I would play this. Do you have a way to play this? <clears throat> That's, you read my mind. That was exactly going to be my reaction, which is I, if I bought this, I'd have no way to play it. So this is and my our, question. Go ahead. I, I, our cassette player is one of those things now that are like super expensive because they're, you know, old and trendy. I don't think they are. Like, I don't think VCRs have gone through this. Like, I don't. I don't think v, uh, a VCR is currently like a rookie Wayne Gretzky card. Got it. Yeah, and I don't think you have to buy VCRs with Canadian money. So, and also apologies. I'm. I'm. I feel like I'm on a Zoom call where I'm uh, apologizing for talking over people, but you can edit that out because you. You have uh, the power of logic on a, oh yeah, well, on a we'll Intel Mac. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll edit edit all that out. Yeah. So before, we, but so I I do want to take it there where you're about to take it, but um, how do I wait? So Taylor Swift So yeah, so the so the merching is is pretty interesting. So if you go, yeah, website doesn't have um. It's not quite as bad as Apple's website where every page on the website is a buy page, but it's, it's, this website's not great. Um, so you can get, if you go to the shop full collection, you, oh, did she run out of keychains? Oh, well, this, is, this isn't funny anymore. She had a thing <laughs> where, you, oh no, you still can. You can buy a, um, an Evermore hoodie. And she had a thing where, and I don't think it's on here anymore. Oh, you can, you can buy a, it's just a summer thing beach towel. But she had a thing where you could uh, buy a keychain that was for the 
fearless thing, which I, I guess you could attach an air tag to. I don't know. Uh, damn it. Oh, that I'm, was exactly what I was about to say. Here's the thing. Here's the thing I've learned from famous podcasters. If you don't stop talking, uh, the other person can't make the joke for you. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah this, this is gonna be a quick one this week because there's not much to talk about but yeah so anyway um you had an opportunity this weekend to listen to the re-recording of fearless any input it's really good yeah, yeah it's really good i haven't listened to that album in a long time so it was good when did you when did not get on your radar but when because i don't think you were an early taylor swift fan i wasn't no no i'm i uh jumped on the bandwagon late as it were yeah, you, but you were when she was full pop, right? Correct. Ish. The lady friend, she was into her from like day one. There we go. So, you know, when, when her and I started dating, then I, I, I'd i say that's probably where I started listening to Taylor Swift more. Like, I mean, of course, mm-hmm. was like aware of her prior to that, but started listening to her more. And then, of course, you know, 1989 changes everything. Mm-hmm. Which, again, is always a troubling reminder because... She's younger. No, 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 no. I'm going to stop you right there. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Uh, her and Mike Hurley. All right. So. So, you know what I I appreciate um, on this store.tetherswift.com site is Fearless not only can be purchased on cassette, but mm-hmm. can also be purchased on a compact disc yeah, or I, I vinyl. Know what, I know what vinyl is because I've, I've been to an Urban Outfitters, but I don't know. what What is a quote cd i think those were the things that people used to um burn their napster songs onto are you admitting to copyright infringement <laughs> um well that's yeah, just it's what other people did i heard oh you you just watched them commit piracy okay mm-hmm. yeah um yeah. do you ever have the thing on napster when you <laughs> wait whoops uh where <laughs> you know it was like you would download something one, there was always the ones where it's only uh, one person like in like New Zealand had it and they had a very slow internet connection. But also sometimes it would people would intentionally rename things like popular music, but it was absolutely not that song. Or is I, wait, I forget. Was was Napster just like BitTorrent where it was like No, it, so it you... wasn't Cedars. Like, mm. yeah, that's that's the thing where again I don't I don't know what any of these terms mean. This is this is <laughs> uh, the statute of limitations. How long how long I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I, I, I had to send back my echo show to Amazon that's broken. So I don't have a desk echo right now. So I can't ask, but how, when Napster was like 2003. Sounds about right. Is that, yeah. is that past the statute of limitations? I don't know, but yeah, it wasn't like a, a cedar ratio thing, but I do think it could aggregate. Well, no, I think it was that you could find a file and then you could see who had it. And you could like add a little meter on it that would tell you who it thought had the best connection, but it was not a thing where you were taking like little chunks from a, a centralized file that was then distributed to other people. So you were you basically just found the best person to download from and downloaded from that one person, as opposed to it being this like decentralized thing. Yeah, because Napster used to have the thing where you could specify your connection speed, and then there were a bunch of people who lied about having a T three. Wait, are we talking about cryptocurrency now? No. Getting into like decentralized no, no. stuff. Well, no. I, I mean, every show that we make, I've I've turned into an NFT, mm. but it did not sell for seven hundred thousand dollars. I'm, as we've proven time and time again, we are no. Uh, what's the plural of Kevin Roos? Uh, Kevin. 
No, I don't know. I don't, maybe, I don't know if it's like moose where it's already plural. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Could be. Um, okay, so, so going back to the Taylor Swift thing, the whole point that I was going to mention is for a while, like I was somebody who would kind of keep old, like, and I, and I still do, I mean, because you've seen my little mini Mac museum, but, and I do also have like, I keep like old like media around. Like I, I still have like zip disks, which I don't know if you remember what those were, but mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I don't really have stuff that plays stuff anymore. Like I, so I was gonna. That's what. That's my question to you: is what media are you able to play in your house? Like, do you have a VCR? Do you no. have a CD player? I like. I think uh, technically, like uh, your Xbox One I, probably can play CDs. I, I was gonna say, I I think the only device in the house that could quickly play a CD would be the Xbox. I have I have an external DVD drive, like a USB external DVD drive, which I guess from what? I could play. Hmm. From what? Like, was it from something, or is it just like a like it's a just... Sanyo or some random like USB PC accessory? It's just, it's, I don't know, it's kind of like having a printer at home where it's just like one of those things where I don't use it all that often, but like there's enough times where I've needed it where it's just, it's good to have on hand. Like, I'll give you a recent example. Like when I built the the flight simulator computer, you know, you need to install Windows and you can do the thumb drive installation and stuff, but it's, it's kind of a pain in the ass, especially when not have an optical disc in it. No, mm mm. Because, I mean, installing Windows is kind of the one and only time I'm ever going to need to do that. Because, um, I mean, Flight Simulator was just a download, and, I mean, that's Wait. kind of all I'm using that computer for. You're saying that Flight Simulator 2020 doesn't fit on a standard CD-ROM? <laughs> they actually did. I don't know if it was in the United States. It might have been, like, a European thing. But they did put it out on disc, like, on DVDs. And I think it came on... God, it was like 12 DVDs or something because it's it's a huge download. It's like a 120 gigabyte download, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but anyway, so I have I have that external DVD ROM drive so that I could play CDs. So in this household, we could play CDs. We could play DVDs. We could play Blu-rays. We can play... God, I was gonna say HD DVDs. We can play uh, UHDs. That's what those are called, right? The 4K discs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just you... Wait, is is Blu-ray not 4K? No, Blu-ray is 1080p. The... HD are, DVD are, are and... there are there 4K Blu-rays? Yeah, UHDs. Is that what, is that the marketing name? I think so. I think. I mean, maybe they're. All... They're also referred to as like just 4K Blu-rays, but I think U UHD discs, I they think, are a thing. Oh, I just googled UHDs, and it's something about Oregon State University, so I don't think it's that one. But okay, um, is it 4K Blue? 4K? Maybe it's maybe it's 4K. I guess it's just 4K Blu-ray. But UH, UHD is a term too. I thought. Hold well, on. UHD is kind of the unofficial term for 2160p, but I don't think it has it only it attaches to a specific format. Ultra Ultra HD Blu-ray. Okay. By, which I I guess I'm abbreviating that to UHD, which is not what anybody else does, but I'm trademark trademark. I'm making that a thing right now. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that those are the types of media that could be played in this household. No way to play a cassette no way to play vinyl 
um oh, no okay so quick quick asterisk there is it what you call the vinyl they used to be called just records vinyl is what people what hip people try to call them that's what taylor swift calls it so that's what i'm calling it well but that's because she's cool we're not cool how dare you do you are you under the impression that you're cool of course really no okay um so yeah i don't think i i don't think i have anything in my home that even plays optical discs because i finally replaced that mac mini do you remember the thing when the i apologize that the show has become the old person just vintage technology thing and it's going to be upsetting that i call vintage technology what i'm about to talk about which was the macbook air from 2008 but do you remember when the macbook air came out and it didn't have an optical drive, and be, like everything, everybody got mad and uh, fake upset about it and made a change.org petition about it. <laughs> but then, uh, as part of the introduction, they made a feature in OS X where it was called Remote Disk, where you could I, lend yeah. an optical drive. Yeah, I get it. Like, today, I'm going to be one step ahead of you. Um, you could lend an optical drive from another Mac to that for when you had to install Adobe Photoshop 6.1 like from a different thing yeah so that i had a mac mini uh forever but now i think ever since i upgraded that to the the last intel mac mini they ever made uh i don't think i have anything in my home that has a cd drive yeah i mean if if it weren't for that xbox that we have there pretty much wouldn't be anything in our house either Oh, I lied. Well, I don't think this would work, but I do have a titanium Power Mac G or a PowerBook G4 and a 12-inch PowerBook G4, but I don't think those only support OS 10 10.2, so I don't think those would work. But those are just part of the Mac Museum. <laughs> You'd be able to play a CD in those, I guess, but probably not even like a DVD, right? I don't remember. Can you do you have Stephen Hackett's phone number? <laughs> Oh, he he's in he lives in Tennessee or Kentucky. Either way, he, it's too late to call him. Yeah, it's it's too late. Yeah, he lives in he lives in Memphis, I think, to Tennessee. Okay, I never remember which one it is. I remember which remember which one is uh, the FedEx land, and it's probably um, problematic that I don't know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> I do know which one Mitch McConnell's from. All right. Uh, do you have any other tangential follow-up, or is this straight into Apple and or Tesla stuff? I think we got to get into the Apple stuff. There's there's a lot to talk about. Is there? All right. There is, and I, you know, I. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna put this out there. I'll I'll, we'll get your your rebuttal to this. I guess probably. (laughs) I guess Um, probably. (laughs) (laughs) I I thought it was a really good event. And I thought it was a really interesting event. And I feel like there's a, a lot about it I want to talk about. But I have no intention of buying anything that was announced at the event, which is, um, which is interesting because I feel like with Apple events recently, they've been somewhat boring or predictable, but, it, but they've included stuff that I've you know, then bought. Whereas this time it's sort of like, the other way around which in a lot of ways doesn't really make sense but here we are okay which was the unpredictable part swole tim cook <laughs> um well i mean as you know i say repeatedly on this show everything that apple announces leaks ahead of time so there wasn't anything i guess that was 
surprising, but I don't know. It's it's still, even though we kind of knew most of what was coming, it was still really interesting to to see it. And the you know mm-hmm. the the framing and the messaging, and as you know, Jason Snell likes to say, sort of the story that Apple tells is always well. There, there's always a lot to talk about <laughs> with, the, with the way they frame things. Which the notes that I have from the event, most of my notes are sort of just the way that they presented these different products. Do you want to do an order of event, or how do you want to run this? this is your show? It's, I mean, my notes are sort of order of the event, so... Um, <laughs> you you have a gigantic start on me, having notes, so... <laughs> so we can, I mean, we can sort of just, you know, probably pretty quickly go through the first handful of topics. Um, so the first, which of course is also the most exciting, is Apple Card Family. Don't know if you have anything to say here i mean apple card is is apparently the most successful credit launch ever what the f- I, what the f- what well, sorry hold on what the fuck does that mean i forget i someone on on twitter that i had going when watching the event goes so who's measuring credit card launches that's okay now i'm mad that that's the mo- that is the most nonsense string of words that could possibly be strung together <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty silly. Um, but, okay, I, I I have to kind of admit that I sort of forgot that Apple Card was a thing, and it's a very very different thing than Apple Pay, um, which is then also a very different thing than you know like Apple's cut that they take from the App Store. It's Apple's financial entanglements are um, there. There's, there's there's a lot to keep track of these days. You mean when they're moving money or taking money? Uh, i don't even know um uh, speaking of uh taking money though the the net you're gonna be okay over there yep um podcast subscriptions so this is interesting because you know there's obviously been you know rumors for a while now especially as you know apple's you know become all about those services that something that they would sort of add to the portfolio would be basically like, you know, Apple Podcasts Plus, where they would sort of Apple Newsify podcasts, where you'd have some type of monthly subscription and you'd get access to, you know, some catalog of, of podcasts that were going to be exclusive then to the Apple Podcast app and exclusive to the Apple Podcast Plus service. But that's not what they did here. They they basically created the app store for podcasts where, you know, the pod, the Apple podcast app now, in addition to, you know, playing any podcasts on an RSS feed, can now also um, tap into podcasts, paid podcasts, which creators can set up and sort of enter a relationship with Apple and also then their listeners, much in the same way that a developer sells their app through the app store where, you know, users can quickly subscribe to the podcast using their Apple ID and their payment on file. Apple gets 30% of whatever that fee is. 
it's set up in a similar way that uh, recurring subscriptions are set up on the App Store, where that 30% then goes down to 15% after a year. Um, you know, it's it's actually doesn't seem like a terrible thing. I agree with the point that Jason and Mike brought up this week on Upgrade, where it feels like this is probably a year to two years late and that, you know, most major podcast creators who have wanted to monetize their podcast in some way, like typically through some type of direct subscription model, have already kind of figured out how to do that. But at the same time, you know, even for those who have an existing subscription model, you know, they're, those models are are kind of clunky where, you know, you've got to figure out a way to, to get payment from your customers and then somehow, you know, add a private feed into their podcast player of choice, which for, you know, tech savvy people is not going to be a problem. But for, you know, everyday consumers, you want to make that as simple as you can. And it, it's it's hard to do that without at least a few clicks here and there, whereas, you know, this Apple subscription thing is is just as easy as buying an app in the app store is. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, several things there. So I mean, like, so good summary. Um, and that makes a lot of sense. The, a couple of things I would take issue with. So one uh, to the point of what people thought a Apple, like Apple bringing uh, like some commercial entanglements to podcasting. I don't feel like this somehow precludes them from trying to pull a luminary and try to make paid podcasting a thing. So I feel like those are two different products. So the idea of like Apple Podcasts Plus or something like that, or podcasts that are somehow behind an Apple Music subscription paywall, I still think that's absolutely on the table. I don't I don't think this this means anything for that. So I, I don't think there should be much credit given for, well, this isn't what we feared it was and Apple's going to start making their own stuff or putting stuff behind um, a subscription thing. So I think that's still very much forthcoming. The other part of this is, and this is this is not this is not a rhetorical thing. It, it does the Apple Podcast app, like I know Apple Music does. Is it available on Android? Mm, Apple Music is. Yeah, but with the podcast I, app, is it? I don't think it is. I, I don't think so. No. So that's where I question the value like i think this makes sense and and again and i and i don't mean to be super grumpy about this which i am with most apple stuff is that i mean again uh, over time apple has been a very good steward of the podcasting ecosystem and even though a bunch of people have kind of tried to like crap it up and make it it like pervert it for their own like short-term financial gain apple has kind of benevolently neglected it and just kind of they've managed to serve as kind of the um like de facto and kind of unintentional like dominant player in it of having like the most um central like directory and the same thing whenever you listen to like 538 they're like hey leave us a leave us a rating review on the apple podcast store even though up until today it wasn't a store but i don't know like so i mean this seems nice maybe but i'm not sure like you still need a way for people who either 
don't use or don't like the podcast app on iOS a way to play and pay for your service and also everybody who's not an iPhone user. So I do feel there's some value to this, but I don't think it like obviates the work necessary for somebody to monetize podcasts. So I don't think this is that huge of a deal. Like, I, I don't know. Like, so you- I, I don't think I don't think you're wrong. I think you're bringing up a really good point. I guess the rebuttal to that would probably be the fact that even if you were to include all Android users who listen to podcasts, I think the Apple Podcast app probably makes up an overwhelming majority of podcast listening, like well, well over fifty percent. Sure. Because I mean, that's because that's I mean, I don't I guess I don't exactly know what the split between iOS and Android is for podcast listening. But especially on iOS, I mean, the Apple podcast app is like, I mean, it's it's crazy, isn't it? Something like 70% plus of of listening happens there, if not more than that. Maybe, but you wouldn't use it, right? No, of course not. Well, but I but I'm not a I'm not a typical podcast listener or a typical you know smartphone user well then let's let's say i know they won't because like he actually said as much but what if relays podcasts were this like exclusive to this well if they were exclusive to that then i'd i'd probably have to listen to their shows in the apple podcast app but that's Hmm. sort of a hypothetical i would never have to worry about yeah, I mean, again, like I, I don't hate this change, and I do think it's valuable. But I just, I just feel like, yes, it removes some friction from people being able to monetize their podcasts, and for people to subscribe to them. But I don't think it address one of the false ways that Apple has tried to frame the value and justification for their thirty percent and fifteen percent cut on the App Store is that, hey, curation, 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 and discovery. And even though I find that's dubious in relation to apps, I feel like you can. some people kind of believe it. I don't think on podcasts that there's going to be enough lead generation and, 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 and revenue generation that happens because, just by the nature of editorial curation of a, pod, of a premium podcast store. For their, because that's the other part of this that I don't think I'm not sure if you talked about in your um, in teeing this up is that Apple takes thirty percent of the first year's worth of podcast subscriptions and then fifteen percent thereafter. I, so, I did mention that. Thanks for oh, listening. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you can edit that out, but yeah, like no, I, I mean, noticed. I actually, I actually noticed a lot of podcasts where where that happens, even including upgrade quite frequently. Anyway. Yeah, it's okay. Um, yeah, so I mean, like, I don't think like it, it's it's not that benevolent. So like it, so you're paying them money to kind of maybe obviate what memberful, which also I, I find I find their time. You, you oh, you listen to the ad free versions of most relay shows, but and even though I pay for relay shows, I don't subscribe to the ad free ones. But Memberful has been uh, a sponsor, which is the uh, like the middleware or the commerce platform that Relay uses for selling their premium shows. 
but yeah, they started sponsoring it uh, about three weeks ago, which is kind of fortuitous and uh, interesting timing. But yeah, I don't know. Like this is, I, I don't think it's harmful to the podcast ecosystem at large, but yeah, I guess my point is just it doesn't obviate the need for somebody to have a way for a non-Apple podcast app user to subscribe. And also for the money that you're giving up, I'm not really sure there's that much. Like there's definitely fi- friction reduced, but I'm not sure there's that much value towards creating new customers. Well, here's here's a, a hot take for you, which I think maybe you'll agree with. This is just another introduction of a service by Apple that's just kind of not a big deal and people are just not really going to care about a month from now. But then because I mean that's basically every every Apple service with the, I guess the notable exception of Apple Music, like nobody nobody really cares or talks about outside of the little you know Apple bubble. Like I mean, who who in your life is talking about Apple Arcade or talking about Apple Fitness Plus? Like nobody. I think it's different just because Apple Arcade doesn't be because of Apple's um, mind share position in podcasting what they do does matter and i feel like because they're seen and I'm, and i don't mean to phrase this as as like as like uh i'm saying they're not but like because they're seen as kind of like this like they're switzerland in this where they're like fairly impartial is it switzerland or sweden one of them in this where they're they're impartial for um podcasting that they're now kind of like i guess like they're like the stripe of podcasting like I, I just feel like the, the the suggestion that they're facilitating commerce and making it easier for people to make money off podcasting in this neutral way is kind of not that way until it's available on Android and also and I'm kind of curious to see how ATP responds to this because I feel like because I feel like though uh, specifically mostly Marco but also John to a degree is very much in the kind of like podcasting is a the open podcast ecosystem is a very very specific thing where it's basically it's rss with enclosures and that's basically it and because i assume you can't when this rolls out you won't be able to subscribe to a podcast in apple Podcasts and then somehow get like a special rss feed that you can then put into the app that you actually like no i wouldn't i wouldn't think so so that's the thing where again like i mean interesting and again i i like as somebody who loves listens to a ton and creates a podcast like i i this this is i want it to succeed and for it to be uh monetizable in a in a non-gross way but i don't know like i this isn't terrible but i also think there's a whole lot of ifs about it but your point that it's a non-story or that it'll that it'll be mostly relegated to kind of like a niche interest kind of like apple fitness plus and apple arcade I would say it because, like, let's say who who's a. I know Jason made the example of the athletic, but who's who's somebody who's not, like, who makes kind of niche podcasts? Because like, it would never be the New York Times. But like, um, like, do you do you listen to any Maximum Fun shows? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, like, I, I pay them ten dollars a month, like, because I because I listen to I think like three or four shows on the network. And if they somehow became like kind of gummed up and being exclusive with Apple Podcasts or that was the only way to do it, like I feel like that'd be kind of lame. 
And if they put all like, and their shows are fairly well listened to for a partially paid podcast network. If they were like, Hey, you can, you can, the only place to get us is to uh, subscribe on Apple podcasts. Like, I feel like that does have some sway and will kind of fracture the podcast ecosystem in a, to a degree. Well, I guess one, one notable thing to mention here is that it's, it's specifically called out in the agreement, which governs this new program. Um, you don't have to be exclusive to the program. So, well, you know, like, like a Relay FM, which has already built out their own system around Memberful, they can continue to do that and then also offer this, this um, Apple podcast payment option. Well, yeah, but then you have to now think of, so you've done all the work to monetize and make that available through for every other service. And you now have to see if giving up 30% of your revenue versus like the five that I assume Memberful takes well, it's worth it based off the redu- reduced friction. It's interesting because like Jason brought up this point on upgrade where, and I was actually, I mean, maybe this is just be the accountant in me, but I was absolutely shocked that he hadn't done this analysis in his business, but he's never really <laughs> added up, you know, all of the different cuts that his different, he had a really good phrase for them, like technology service providers or something. Um, we're taking from him. So like when you add memberful and Stripe, and I think he had one other service provider he mentioned. Like when you add all that together, it, maybe it's not all that far off. It's probably somewhere in the fifteen to to thirty percent range. Eh, it's a big swing. It is no, it, it, that's fair. And I think you know Mike's big point, which which is is a really good one, is thirty percent just probably doesn't make sense for this program. Like it's the number that Apple's been fixated on forever, and it's. You know, it's the number that's been under more scrutiny lately. Um, it, it's silly that it keeps getting carried forward into new service after new service. Like it, it seems like there was an opportunity here to make it something like fifteen percent just out of the gate. But it's it's Apple, and they want their thirty. Hmm. I can't find it now and this is in, this is vaguely this is tangentially related but not um specific to what we're talking about but somebody had a thing of oh yeah okay i found it on tech meme thank you tech meme somebody named jason kent had a thing of where it's a uh, quote curious as to apple's public policy calculus they were scorched today along with google apple has the largest market cap on the planet 200 billion in cash and if they had a more friendly app store they would likely be on the sidelines of antitrust debate with Microsoft. Like this is something that always kind of like bugs me. It just feels like, cause it, it, with everything in business, you're making a calculation of kind of what's a marketing expense. What's what is worth pursuing as a profit center and what should you just kind of give away or think is just a cost of doing business. And if Apple was less grubby with the app store and also this, like if this was like 10%, like no it would be universally loved and same thing with the app store like is it is the revenue to be gained here worth the scrutiny and or bad pr and i know this applies much 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 more to the app store than it does podcasting but like when apple focuses so intently on making something a profit driver that isn't its core business and i understand the whole point of tim's uh, the tim cook era is to make 
services a profit center for the company, but like they could like ever people don't criticize Microsoft in the way that they did 20 years ago because they've changed the way they like they abandoned the idea of making windows everywhere something and they just figured out hey like we're going to follow follow the salesforce model and we're going to be a SaaS company and we're going to try to make all our money off of charging for office and azure and if apple just kind of let go of trying so damn hard to to wring every what's what's the the phrase blood out of a stone or like like they're trying so hard to make like to get not let go of the app store having these outmoded um percentage cuts and that's where like i don't man they like everybody in the company must have 3015 tattooed on their arm like i don't i don't get it it's a it's a really good point yeah really really good point because like, if you could not have amy klobuchar yelling at you and trying to drum up support for like breaking you up like i feel like that's worth tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars a year when you are a company that makes as much money as apple does but well, and and I mean, it, it, it's such a good point because, I mean, Apple can do both at the same time. Like they can continue focusing on services and continue generating a ton of you know high margin revenue off of those services, but not focus so much on taking thirty percent from things like the App Store, which I don't know. I don't think they disclosed this, but I assume is is a very very small part of their overall services revenue. Yeah, probably. I mean, like, I don't. I don't think it's. It's. It's definitely not um, immaterial. But like, it is. I. I. I consist. I. I frequently just wonder. I'm like, how much is this worth? All the scrutiny, and likely broader antitrust uh, attention you're gonna get just because you're so damn attached to to uh, being a, a rent seeking entity in this cool. new economy. Well, especially in the context of where the App Store now is, too, where I guess like in the early days of the App Store, the antitrust kind of angle to the App Store and kind of the um, developer unhappiness with the App Store that would kind of spark antitrust conversations would have been focused both on the economics of the App Store and on the fact that the App Store at least in the early days, was very restrictive in terms of what it allowed developers to do. Mm -hmm. And that's not really the case anymore. Where they, I mean, I feel like there's, like, like you don't really ever hear much about, like, jailbreaking iPhones anymore. And I, I, I think a big part of that is because, you know, Apple actually has opened up, like, what developers can do on the App Store, you know, quite a bit over the last 12 years. And slowly but yeah oh i mean very very slowly like you but can pick a different email client but you still can't say google maps is the place <laughs> i trust to get me somewhere yeah very very slowly um but so any like, so now i really feel like people's angst with the app store which again is what sort of then sparks these antitrust conversations really come down to the economics of the app store so apple could very easily reduce that cut and I, I think you're exactly right like these antitrust conversations almost instantly go away like there's no epic versus apple if apple's share was you know five or ten percent or something like that yeah absolutely it it, it just boggles the mind they just 
because the, the to bring it back to the podcasting thing, those exact same numbers being here proves that they they have no interest or intention of sliding on the app store at all. You you, you wonder, and I'm I'm not going to pretend to know, and I'm but I'm also not the one who's like you know thinking of this originally. Like this is a take that's out there. Like I wonder how much of this is the just the Steve Jobs DNA in the company where he was a famously stubborn person. And I think Apple to their credit has has changed quite a bit since since Steve Jobs and I think operates in a very different way today than it would if if Steve Jobs were still there. But that doesn't mean that his influence is completely gone and I wonder if this is one of those areas where that still is with the company to a degree. Yeah, before we move on, but like to round this out, like I think you're right, kind of like I wouldn't say it's stubbornness. I think it's arrogance where they started. I forget what this, where this came out around. Maybe it was some discovery documents that had to be furnished for the early stages of the Epic Apple, um, Epic v. Apple, not Epic Apple um, case in Northern California, which was that. I remember there were emails from Phil Schiller that kind of like alluded to like he basically said like like for the privilege of being on the app store. Like I, I feel like it's just they have this arrogance that anything that the brilliant magical iPhone facilitates, Apple deserves a cut from. And I do think to a degree that is arrogance or that is um stubbornness carried over from the jobs era. But I do think it's arrogance of thinking that they know they created something good that people like and that there is no degree to which they can't continue to exert pressure on others or try to extract value or not value to money from other people because they created the iPhone. And I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's tricky. Well, I think we're at minute eight of the key. <laughs> yeah. These are the, uh, these are the quick topics as so, I framed them. So real quick, I didn't, I only watched like I didn't I didn't have the time or attention to watch any of this. So I watched minute like nine through 40. I saw the iMac thing and I saw AirTags and I fast forwarded through a thing about a purple iPhone. So is the iPhone next? Um, I actually did not write down the new purple color for the iPhone. So I don't okay, know if the, that happened. I, I think that happened before AirTags. But there's, I'm not... there's a lavender iPhone now. Right. Exactly. There, there was a lavender iPhone 11. It's the same thing. It's not a very appealing purple. Moving on. <laughs> um, so then we get to air tags, which actually I do think this part will be quick. I mean, these. Do you have a link to the Darth Tweet queued up? The uh, the Hermes one. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I sh- I'll, I'll pull. I'm not sure up. you're pronouncing that right, but okay. I think I finally am. It no, took it, me a while. It's Hermes. <laughs> anyway. Um. I mean, these have been rumored for the better part of like two years now. Um, I mean, I I sort of just chuckled during the this part of the announcement, mostly just because these are just literally exactly what we've known them to be for all this time now. Like the the, the name, the I mean, everything about them is just is just exactly what we thought it would be. So just I don't know, maybe what what I thought was funny was that like Apple was you know, announcing the product, but it was something that, you know, we've known about for so long. But anyway, yeah, the, I guess the the one thing just to to call out here is 
you know, Apple's had this partnership with Hermes now for a while with the Apple Watch. They, you know, make outrageously expensive leather Apple Watch bands, which I I guess has been successful because, I mean, they've done a couple iterations of them now. And it's like th- this isn't an Apple Watch edition situation where they come out with something. I mean, these aren't quite that outrageously expensive, but, you know, I mean, they're those Apple Watch bands, I think are you know pushing a thousand dollars in some cases right like they're they're pretty expensive mm-hmm. um but i mean the, the, those have gone through a couple iterations so it's probably doing relatively well or at least good enough and like to the point where they've also made this available for AirTag. so you know i i shit you not uh, which is the technical term here they make a 449 dollar luggage tag mm-hmm. that you that you can buy for your $29 air tag. Mm-hmm. And the the Darth tweet which will be in the notes is <laughs> you need another air tag just to keep track of your $450 air tag holder which is which I literally laughed out loud at my desk when I saw that tweet. So one great tweet, good panda. But going back to the previous conversation that doesn't bother me like because that's an honest way of making money right that's fair that's fair like they're selling a thing that they have established that there's a a specific group of people that's willing to pay a lot of money for a dublator leather whatever the fuck but like that's that's much more honest than skimming 30 percent off Fortnite bucks I don't know, but so so to 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 zoom out uh, or go back to forty thousand feet, whatever. Uh, going back to air tags, what's your thought about the product itself? Like, are you going to? Do you think that? I know you said you're not going to buy anything from this event, but do you foresee any when the world is more like it maybe was before? Do you ever foresee yourself? Were you ever a tile person? No. Uh-uh. Do you ever foresee yourself buying one of these? I I mean never say never I guess maybe um like once I start traveling again like maybe having this on my luggage and then you know when I start going into the office again at some point like maybe having one for my backpack like maybe I don't know Yeah I I don't know if i ever bought a tile like i felt like i always kind of liked the idea of it but for me like if if something's gone it's gone like i mean i can't like stick one of these on my camera and if i like i have too many camera bags like, I, maybe but the one so the one before i i, I think we're pretty much done with air tags but the one thing i did want to call out that i that is my uh, one bit of rare praise for apple and this was oddly pressing because i think we talked about this exact same thing last week is that the air tags are powered by like the the goat the cr2032 watch battery mm, yeah so these are not like apple pencils or airpods where you just throw it into monterey bay and some sea otters can have it like you this is not disposable tech which is very unapple like well i saw that point made which is you know this is the fir- this is the first apple product with a user replaceable battery in you know, <laughs> long, long time yeah, yeah. Since I mean, when did when did the MacBook switch over so that you couldn't 
change change out the battery as a long <laughs> the removable ago. battery in my 15 inch macbook pro swelled up and almost blew up <laughs> and i think and i think 2011 because yeah, once they once they went unibody it was all sealed in um but the other part here is is, is that it's uh like it's not a funky hey you send this into apple or it's apple proprietary like this is this is straight up the watch battery that's been around for 30 years which i think is kind of deserves some points for sustainability what, what's that's, her name yeah. cynthia jackson who's the who's the one that's on the solar roof i think uh, yeah i think i think that's her name yeah she she deserves credit um so i guess the last thing i'll say on um like we keep calling it air tags plural but it's air tag just to be clear sorry lisa jackson just like how oh Lisa, there you go sorry, just good. like how apple never refers to it as the imac or the iphone it's just always imac iphone um anyway uh, no that, that's that's fair <laughs> i'm very pedantic where i will where this, yeah fair i would i would judge you for that so I, i'm going to continue calling these air tags um well it's only sorry, air tags if you sorry, buy them in, in the quad pack no but it, it's on i'm looking at apple's website it is air tag four pack um so the the pricing here putting aside the silly hermes stuff is is very strange because the air tag themselves are actually reasonably priced like i I looked this up so an air tag is 29 dollars, and a you know basic tile is 25 dollars so you know it's 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 got the the typical apple tax on it but it's it's not outrageous i um i felt like these were cheap like i yeah. I, I say like oh because i know you're not a, a tile person but anytime like every three months when i'll kind of be like yeah maybe i should get some of those it's, it's the same thing where like i'm always thinking about like should i buy more hue lights is tiles are expensive 30 bucks seems kind of like uh, like it it's very cheap for apple stuff so so yeah so that so that that's where Apple gets credit I think for the price. But then the the weird part about the pricing here is that every single first party AirTag accessory that Apple sells is at least also twenty nine dollars, which is which is weird. Like the AirTag itself is twenty nine dollars, and then the the cheapest kind of like sport band like loop that you can buy for it is also $29, which is weird. Like, why isn't that $15? Well, and if you want the leather loop, that's $39. So it's 10 bucks more for the loop than it is for the AirTag itself. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's strange. Well, how else are you going to make up for the money that they lose when they charge 15% after the first year? Fair. That's fair. Tim's literally going hungry. He's going to lose his muscles. <laughs> Um, all right, I think I think that's it with um, Air Air Tag. Um, so we we buried the lead. You know, the, the the highlight of the the event came right after Air Tag, which is the season two trailer for Ted Lasso, which is the the only Apple TV Plus show that got a trailer, um, deservedly so. And the the pleasant surprise at the end of it was that uh, July twenty third is the premiere for season two, which I think at some point they had alluded to season two maybe coming out sometime this summer, but this—I mean, this timing is earlier than I would have uh, expected. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I—I I don't—I don't like 
trailers that much where i I feel like is one it could sometimes include spoilers and i it's also not necessarily fully representative of the media but yeah I, i'm i'm super excited um and when you when you mentioned the um the spoiler or whatever i I thought you were going to talk about the thing that jason dropped which is that there was that shortbread recipe at the end of the, the keynote which i did not see the first time but well they well they didn't actually show the recipe right they cut Correct. it off yeah yeah it's pretty good pretty good um but yeah good i'm I'm happy that ted lasso is uh getting its due i keep wondering if i should ever do uh kind of just like a i'm never i'm not somebody who ever watches tv without paying attention to it but kind of having it in the background as kind of like a rewatch yeah um yeah. i think the, i guess the other note on ted lasso which is just more of like a kind of just meta tv thing or movie thing to any, any kind of media thing is like it's so interesting what ends up being the breakout hit on a channel or a service. And it's almost never the thing that the media company thinks it's going to be like, it's almost never the thing that they pour all the money and all the advertising into. And it's just, it's always, it's always so interesting that like companies haven't really figured out that they can't really control what's going to be their big hit. So it seems like that would lead companies to, to recognize that maybe they should be spreading those budgets out over more different types of shows and kind of seeing what lands. But anyway, it's, it's just, it's kind of, it's, it's interesting that, you know, Apple TV plus launched with like the morning show. Um, I think you're, you're mostly just rubbing salt in the wound of them. uh, Just literally setting the money on fire with that Jason Momoa show. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's actually that the whole thing. Like the, it, it right. was like, it's the most expensive episode of TV ever made or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it was like, I think maybe like Game of Thrones had more, I forget what it was. Like Game of Thrones may have had like more expensive individual episodes, but I think like maybe like the season as a whole was like the most expensive season of TV ever produced, something like that. Yeah. Did that ever get renewed? I yeah I, I think it Wait, did I think it, it did yeah mm-hmm. no I think there no I think every Apple TV launch show has been renewed at least for a second season I don't think there was anything that got canceled after season one because remember the- there was that thing where Apple TV Plus launched seemingly later than Apple originally intended to and there's like that thing usually with with TV contracts where you know you're basically retaining the talent. So you've got to let them know whether you're moving forward with a second season or not at some point. And because of like the timing of when Apple TV plus launched, they actually had to renew a bunch of the shows even before the service launched. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, maybe they had to rush into some of those decisions. I don't know. But anyway, yeah. it's just, it's, it's interesting that Ted Lasso became the big breakout show. Totally deserved, but just not probably what anybody at Apple expected, you know, two years ago yeah um so then new apple tv which so this Mm -hmm. is this is where we really get into the the framing of these products and how that is i think one of the more interesting parts of these events in general and this event in particular so especially with this product apple like painstakingly went out of their way at the very beginning of this part of the event to explain why this product exists and i could see that's what they were doing and so i this like really caught my attention and i really like was like "Ooh, what are are they what are they gonna say here and they gave the 
absolute lamest answer possible. Like even like an answer that I wouldn't have even come up with if I was trying to make fun of the Apple TV, which is this. So they said that the Apple TV 4K, which they've, they've kept that super catchy name for this. They said that, you know, the Apple TV 4K is the right choice for people and continues to exist because it has quote power that smart TVs just don't have. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is like, what does that even mean? And what is that even like, why is that something that anybody would ever care about? Like, I mean, sure, you know, maybe the menus are a little bit snappier on Apple TV compared to like a TV's built in thing. That's probably true. But like, that's really why somebody's going to go out and spend 179 bucks or whatever on one of these things. Well, no, 199. Who's who's buying the 32 gig version like a sucker? <laughs> oh god, they yeah, they still have the two storage. Does sizes. does your TCL TV have 64 gigs of memory? <laughs> how 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 yeah. It's 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 amazing. Um you know, and the, the what they specifically talked about with the I guess additional power this version of Apple TV 4K has with the A12 processor now is that it can do high frame rate video with HDR, which literally other than videos that people record on their iPhone 12s, like isn't really something that exists. Like as far as I know, there's no streaming services that are offering video that way. Can we put a pin in that for a second? Do you, I, I hate on my 12 pro I hate the way it records video because it always screws with the backlight. I don't, do you like the way Dolby vision or whatever the heck it's doing with video? Do you like the I, way that works? I hate it. I, I love it. I I know, I know you hate this. This is just an area that we're going to agree to disagree, but I, I think 60 frame per <sighs> second Dolby vision video on the iPhone looks, I think it looks incredible. It's probably my favorite part of the iPhone 12 pro so i want to uh, right that's what that's what that's what the phone these phones are called oh i just call mine bluey <laughs> <laughs> i so to separate because we, we got to move on we somehow spend like 40 minutes on podcasts um i those are two separate things 60 second video or 60 second video 60 frames per second video is a is a scourge on 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 the earth <laughs> and um but on uh, my complaint mode like because i because that's that's existed for a long time and i can understand why that's a preference and i understand why people want their their everyday lives to look like it's a like uh young and the restless episode like i get it they want to look like a soap opera and todd Vaziri will come in your sleep and then go uh, turn that feature off on your tv <laughs> but it's it's the backlighting thing because i don't know because uh do you have i was gonna say do you have a mac i hope you do <laughs> Uh, but when you do you ever what's a computer uh apparently it's uh it, never mind we'll get to it um do you ever look at a video that you shot on your phone on your mac in the photos app and then not it t- no not so when you do that actually. it totally screws with the backlight of your phone because the thing is like it's not recording the video any different all it's doing is adding this weird like meta uh, metadata around it where it's saying like hey jack up the brightness of the screen for this video and then when you try to post it to Instagram, it looks wrong. I don't know. The whole Dolby Vision thing is is trash. Um, and it's a totally artificial difference between the 12 and the 12 Pro because the sensor isn't any different. And that's just irritating. But anyway, but I, I, I respect your um, 
preference for 60 frames. Um, disagree with it, but I respect your right to to do it or whatever they said in the 70s. Um, what we're talking about? Oh, yeah, Apple TV. So, yeah, so whatever, like it made no sense. I mean, the 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 new features are we'll talk about the remote in a sec but apparently it can do like automatic color calibration which they could have done on the old one no that they they have that, oh that it's, is, it's got backported yeah they they very very much did not make this clear during the events but that is a tv os 14.5 feature that's oh, not okay. a feature that's exclusive to the new apple tv okay so i mean that's neat so but well, otherwise... that, and that's and that's actually i mean not I mean, you've stolen a couple of my jokes here, so I'm, I'm going to steal maybe the point that you that you're going to make here, which oh, is feel free. the the two most interesting things that they announced, which I agree is is the color balancing thing, and then the new remote are not exclusive to this new box. You can you can use the color balance feature on your old Apple TV 4K, and you can separately buy this new remote independent of of the new Apple TV 4K. Yeah. So. Yeah, to, before we talk about the remote. So yeah, I mean this 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 new box is a snooze. The name is exactly the same. The pricing hasn't gotten any cheaper. They still sell a 1080p version of this fucking thing, and it's 129 or 149 dollars still. It's that's that's crazy. Absolutely insane. Um, but it has a remote that maybe sucks less. Which I guess for people who ever since the Harmony remote got canceled, um, kind like. I don't know. So to describe the features of the remote, so they let me try to pull picture Apple TV new remote Google images. So it's basically like you somebody went into the kitchen, they they turned on the the KitchenAid artisanal mixer, and they threw the front row remote that you used to get with your your Mac or the old Apple TV along with the Siri remote and they, and they had a baby in the KitchenAid mixer. And somehow you have this thing, which is silver. Now it looks mostly the same, but that weird, annoying, like magic keypad or magic trackpad thing that was at the top that you'd always press the wrong thing on. That's now a traditional four way D pad with a center button, but that center button happens to be touch sensitive. So you can still do the swipey stuff if that was your jam. And you also now have a power button. Think of that for the TV. And the one thing in the keynote that I did really like that they they said is that the Siri button is on the side of the remote exactly where you expect it on your phone, which that part I actually will give them a lot of credit for. That's actually smart for that to be there. But otherwise, this is they, they merged the two remotes and it looks way better than the old one, but the bar was so low that anything is an improvement. Yeah, no, I you're right. Although I actually do think even putting aside how bad the old remote was, this new remote actually does look really nice. Oh, I think sure. what they what they did with the 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 touch the touch part of it, which, you know, as you pointed out, had the the center button and then kind of the almost, you know, iPod like scroll wheel on the side. That's really cool because like when they when they first showed that I my first thought was like, oh, that's that's kind of a bummer. They got rid of touch entirely because there there actually are some cases where that works pretty well. Well, yeah, as, as long as remote. you're as long as you're intentionally in the like freewheeling like uh, swipey mode, that's great. But the problem was the old one would go in that way when you didn't want it to. But yeah, but this this is a good happy medium in that. It, exactly. So that you know that you, even though you have the physical buttons there, 
the whole surface actually is also still touch sensitive. So you can still do all the gestures and stuff, but you don't have to, or, I mean, I guess you, you could tap the, the old remote too, but here there's a, there's a better tactical option as well. And then, you know, I think the, the scrubbing with video being, you know, just like scrubbing was on the iPod, that looked really, really nice. Oh, you mean the kind of thing where you do it in a circular motion where it's kind of like a exactly. dial daily? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think that's cool. And, you know, you know, 59 bucks actually for this thing, that's not terrible. Like, I mean, are you, are you going to get one? I, I'm. I'm. I've thought about it. I mean, so well. I, I guess let me let me ask: Is are you somebody who? How frequently do you use your phone as an Apple TV remote? Not super often, but I do use the Apple TV remote with relative frequency. Hmm. For for the same reason that I'll also pull out the TiVo remote sometimes too, which is as much as I love my harmony elite remote i and i do i do really like it it's not super responsive it's it's everything you do with it while you're interacting with whatever device is currently on it's it's just it's, it's got a half, that half beat, second delay yeah it's a half beat slower than you want it to be and it really stands out because in the case of both tivo and apple tv if you use the you know native remote for those devices they're just so much more responsive, especially the Apple TV remote. So that's, you know, if, if, if I have a significantly better version of that remote, especially now where, you know, we become a household that really uses the Apple TV a lot, just because like more and more of what we're watching is, is on streaming now, which I mean, hey, that's not, not an original trend. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, well, I, I, I am thinking of thinking about this remote. Yeah. But also, I mean, it's so, I mean, going back to what you just said, like this doesn't even have a button dedicated for property brothers. Like, I mean, that's kind of like a huge user experience miss. I actually thought that the big miss here was they didn't embed, um, like an air tag inside of it. Yeah. The people have been saying that a lot. Meh. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, well, you, but, you, you know, need to strap the remote to your electric bike. <laughs> um, like everything else in this event, I, I have some time to think about it because basically everything they announced other than AirTag, which I think because these things have probably been ready for some time now, um, is available in the ambiguous hey, second half of oh, May. Oh, you stole it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't like the second half of the episode where, oh, second half. <laughs> <laughs> The, nice. the back nine of this episode where, um, yeah, wh- who taught Apple how to say second half of the month when you don't want to say late May or something? Because that happened multiple times in the, and I don't think, like, I, oh, that's true. They did use, they, that's right. They did several used times. to say late in a month. Yeah. Sometimes. No, it's, yeah. somebody was like, hey, second half sounds better. I was like, hey, I, I, I learned that trick. How, how dare you? Oh, that's, that's an interesting point. I didn't think about it that way. Yeah, that's uh, some, some, some bullshit. I want, I want a royalty on that. Of course, you know, both late May and second half of May and Apple parlance means May 30th. But, mm-hmm. um, or it's a leap year, so technically it's, it's, it's 2026. Yeah. Yep. Um, um, but all right, Apple anyway. TV. May. So that's Apple All right, TV. moving on. Yeah. Okay, can we talk about the important stuff? Yes, please. Is the next thing iMac? I don't have my notes. It, it is, yeah. 
So I feel like right. you should you should take the lead on this. I you're, should. you're the math guy. Ethernet. Yeah. Yeah. No. No, it's in the power reactor. I don't like it. It's okay. cool. So, I like, I so like s- that. So several things here. Okay. So there's a this is not a computer that anybody who listens to this show should buy. No. But this is the first evolution in making desktop computers more modern. So the if you go to apple.com slash iMac, which is a very confusing website, you can say hello to this new computer. So it is the first time, I think, in when when did the first iMac that kind of looks like this iMac come out? Like it be 2009 um, yeah something like that imax have looked the same for a very 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 long time and this one kind of does too but they made it real real thin uh which i'm gonna have some complaints about or some some thoughts on later but in general this is a macbook air with a 24 inch ips lcd slapped to it and overall, because of the way the M1 processor performs, uh, based off Apple Silicon technology, that's pretty good. So the, this is replacing the outgoing 21.5-inch iMac. It is because they have shrunk down the bezels, which I never had a problem with, but were quite large. Um, they have finished. They have fit in a 24-inch display in a computer that's not much larger. The computer has gotten much, much thinner. Um, it comes in six colors plus silver, uh, one of which I know I don't really care about the giants anymore, but I'm kind of digging this giants orange. Um, but yeah, it comes in a green that you don't like, I assume. No, I, I do like, I do like the green. I don't love the, I don't like um, the yellow. It's very... I don't like the 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 more pastel-y part of the green, which is you know on the front and, and on the, the stand. The, the what, what did Apple say? The more welcoming and oh, I I, I put this in, I put this in in Slack. I was so I was so irritated when when they said it. Uh, this is a light and optimistic computer. That's the, what it is. The more light and optimistic <laughs> tone. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. We're, we're coming out of pandemic. Like, is did this computer invent the vaccine? I, what does that even mean? No. <laughs> Don't get to say uh, but, that. <laughs> but I do I do really like the more saturated tone of green that's that's on the back. I wish the I wish the whole computer was that way. So but. I can't find a picture of it because honestly I was thinking it was all the same color as the stand, but I this I hate I, I, I really don't like websites that do the thing where you can't just scroll to part of a page, it all animates. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how to get to a picture of the green one. And the Apple website it, for buying it is like all grayed out so i can't go there either so if you go if you go to oh no, it's but... actually apple.com slash imac dash 24 well yeah that's where i'm at but it's all if you scroll, scrolly but if you scroll i don't know like past the first little animation there's a little there's a little picker on the side where you can you can quickly access the six colors oh. and then the the not not a color well no but here's the problem where i feel like it breaks down for you is that the front of it looks it has the light color well that, that that's what i mean is the the the, the more pastel color which we have all the parts I that mean, you would see are the parts it, that you don't like well that and well and it's also the more pastel color yeah or I'm, I'm sorry the more optimistic color um is also on all the accessories like the color matched accessories which is also a phrase that apple used a lot in this <laughs> event um i mean again like the, i guess the 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 nice thing is that 
it's not the same boring pastel color across the entire device, which, you know, is the case on like the iPad. Um, but it, but it is too bad that it's the more saturated colors, not throughout because the more saturated colors, way more fun. Okay. And to, to round out aesthetics, how is there not an Hermes edition of the iMac? Well, why, why well, did... actually, I, you know, actually there, there's a related comment there. Is there? There is. So, you know, neither of us is going to buy one of these, but if, but if we were, I would of course buy a green and you would of course buy an orange, <laughs> but there's an interesting wrinkle to that, which is, and Apple snuck this in during the event too. And it's, it's clearer when you look at the website, oh, the, only the expensive ones come in colors. Not, not all of the colors are available on the base model. Some of the colors are only available on the higher end model. Well, yeah. Orange green, is green is evidently a cheapskate color mm -hmm. because it's available on the base config orange for you for you you know highbrow fancy pants mm -hmm. folks that's only available on the the, the higher end model mm -hmm. yeah car companies do this all the time yeah you again yeah orange is for closers but, <laughs> and apparently so is an ethernet port um so anyway so this computer i mean it's fine so it's cool so a few things about this so it's very very thin which is neat. Um, and allegedly, it's very quiet as well because it's like just like the iMac has always been. It's always been other like when they went away from CRTs. Um, it's basically been a laptop with a screen strapped to it, and because and again this this uh, uh, just basically repeating what's was said on upgrade. Apple's very good at making laptops for the most part, so that has generally never been as much of a compromise as it is with PC manufacturers. Like, so when HP makes like a crappy, what they call all in one it's usually, it's pre usually pretty lousy. But so my th thing with this, so this has all the same limitations as M one based computers do, which is that because of the IO limitations, 16 gigs of Ram maximum only supports one external display, which on a desktop, I don't think is actually much of an issue. So people complaining about that. I th like that's kind of that's not a thing. But it only has four USB C ports, two of which support Thunderbolt, um, and that's pretty much it. So this is definitely not going to be a computer for somebody who is looking at who's like like me, who kind of is looking for either a, a high end twenty four inch iMac configuration or a iMac Pro replacement. The one thing I do want to mention here in terms of IO is one, they have, well, actually two things. Um, they have moved the, they kind of pulled a game console. Like I forget, like is, does the Xbox one and the PS five, do they have the external power supply or is it just a power cable? You know what I mean? Right. I do. I, I think they both have an external power brick. Yeah. I don't love it. So they, they took all, all that stuff out of the computer. So one MagSafe is back, but on a desktop now, which is, kind of interesting but they took the thing out so now the nice thing i've always kind of liked about the imac is that it's just a power cable there's no weird like heated footrest thing like i mean i, I already have like a, a a little cushion thing to, to rest my feet on i don't need a a space heater down there but that is apparently now the way they've gone to make it as thin as it is and then you'll notice because of the thinness of the screen they can't fit a ethernet port on it anymore so now you have this funky uh, magnetically attached woven power cable, which is very, very similar to what was on the the big HomePod. Um, 
And then when you follow that cable down, it goes into this little uh, kind of thick power brick thingy. But if you opt for one of the higher end configurations of this, you are allowed to have the privilege of wired networking and your ethernet port is built into the power adapter. Which is interesting. Um, I feel like this probably be somehow be less reliable, but um, I mean, whatever. Well, that's that's kind of the the interesting thing about this whole setup, which is is something that Jason Snell's been talking about for a while, but I haven't heard speculated anywhere else. Which is, you know, what if this reintroduction of MagSafe, which has been you know rumored on the laptops for a while now, and this iMac thing seems to all but confirm that this is you know this is not just power delivery now like the old version of MagSafe was this is also data transfer which is which is really interesting and yeah i mean this is obviously sort of a first time for apple so so yeah it will be interesting to see if there's any kind of um reliability issues or anything with that yeah but the, so that makes sense but like the thing that breaks down for me with that is that if because this is a very very static version of magsafe like i feel like you maybe couldn't because like that cable, like I haven't seen any videos of this, but the cable that plugs into the back of this computer, like it really looks like it's very sturdy and not meant to detach. Where I feel like the I/O um, implications of MagSafe on a laptop is probably much more limited. Where like you can't have like critical I/O going through a thing that somebody in a coffee shop or in your house is very likely to unplug. Like that, I. I don't know but it it is interesting and well, maybe they i don't know maybe they take the same approach when the laptops eventually come out maybe maybe there's also an ethernet port on those power bricks or something yeah maybe so maybe that's sort of like what it's marketed as being you know there for and then you know i don't know maybe third parties come out with like weird you know usb-c hubs that are built into power bricks and like that's something you can technically do but to your point in practice, maybe isn't necessarily what you want to do. Yeah. I mean, and to round this out, the, the one thing that I would maybe uh, criticize or or make as a different um, way of phrasing that, or to frame this is that, have you ever looked at the Surface Studio? Uh, in passing, yeah. Like the one thing that they, they did was that they imported because of like the depth of um, ports is that they just built the ports into the stand. Like, I feel like that would have been a better way. Like, I don't think anybody, like, people were complaining about that the the bezels were huge and that the computer itself hadn't really changed much. But, like, they totally could have just put this stuff in the base of the computer. And that seems like that would have been more sensible. I don't know. But anyway, overall, like, I think the colors are awesome. I'm very curious and excited as well, what a m2 or an m1 xyz or whatever looks like in the 30 inch imac that is likely to replace the 27 inch imac um and by that point like since that's probably going to be a much later in 2021 type thing uh hopefully lightroom will have been ported to apple silicon based processors by that point in time but like I, I feel like this is a very promising sign, and I think it looks neat. Um, yeah, I mean it's cool. It's a good, it's good evolution of the desktop Mac. And even though I have like a lot of weird, like uh, com- like minor complaints about it, I think it's pretty cool. 
this is this is just a really fun computer, which is not a word that you would have used to describe really any modern Mac. Like they've they've embraced really fun colors, which of course Apple you know used to do, and even just the just the overall presentation and the overall framing of this. Like when you when you look at the 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 you know the product page, like this isn't really there's not there's very little mention of like pro use cases here. Like this is very mm-hmm. much marketed as just like a really fun consumer desktop and that's i i like that i agree but the one part that annoys me or that's makes me grouchy here is that the 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 cheapest configuration is 256 gigs of storage and eight gigs of memory you're gonna have a bad time with that computer yeah that's that's yeah that is that is kind of a shame and then last bit before we move on uh wow how is this the shortest part of the most interesting part of the creative presentation um touch id yeah. on the bluetooth mm-hmm. keyboard right um and there's also one with a 10 key uh yep. which is exciting thank you uh, I, I was i was i was worried there because they they didn't announce that until the very end but they did they did sneak that in there so i was happy about that mm-hmm. um yeah i mean pretty cool but the oh oh sorry yeah that's that's, that's the logical conclusion you have to make for that is that it seems unlikely that face id is coming to the map well that's that's the that's the thing is they so they you know they made it through the presentation talking about the computer first before they talked about any of the accessories and they they got to the part with the camera and they they paused to say like what a really big upgraded camera was so i thought like okay here finally we're getting face id for the mac but no just just a upgraded 1080p facetime camera and then it kind of like seemed like for a minute it was like wait so there's there's no like biometric authentication story here like how is that still going to be a thing on a modern mac but but they yeah they did introduce touch id um on the on the keyboards which which is neat and it you know it works well like on the on the laptops but it's it's super lame they didn't do face face id like the, the imac is perfect for face id it's it's crazy to me that they didn't do it. Yeah. No. I mean, do you think do you think this just means Face ID is not coming to the iMac, or do you think they're saving that for the higher end one? Yeah, I, I just don't think they're ever going to build that into OS Ten. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and lastly, there's no longer an Apple logo on the front of it. Interesting. Oh yeah. Yeah. But the ch- the chin's still there though. Well, yeah, they'd have a place to put the computer. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I would much rather this thing be, you know, however many inches thicker it needed to be, and then the computer goes on the back, and then you've got or they could basically just, the, just they could just put the computer in the base, and then they could have everybody would win. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So anyway, this is fine. Uh, it's neat. I this makes me more interested and curious of what the twenty seven and uh successor is going to be. Um, and I hope it's great because Macs, Macs are good. I think it will be. I, I think, I think the, the M2 line or what, whatever that processor ends up being called of computers, that's going to presumably include, you know, like a 14 inch MacBook pro an upgraded 16 inch MacBook pro, and then probably, you know, a, a 27 or 30 inch iMac, which is basically then going to be the replacement for both the 
higher in current 27 iMac and the now defunct iMac Pro. I think all of those computers are going to be just phenomenal. I think they're going to be really, really good. It's going to be a very costly fall for me. Yeah, I, I think it will be. Yeah. You get the I'll, one, I'll the get one thing I really... On iMac. What's and that? I'll get you a good deal on an iMac that's Intel, though. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The one thing I really... I was thinking about this today. Like The one thing I really hope, though, is that they don't do the thing that they've done on the iPhone which is the fun colors are only available on the the lower end. They will. It's well, it's I, it's I know, it's, it's going to be will. it's going to be space gray and fucking silver. I know, and that's going to be so lame. Like there's going to be this version of the iMac that comes in like, you know, we can I can quibble about the more pastel or more optimistic shade on the front and I I'm, I'm not a super big fan of the white border around the screen either. But I oh, was that the same color on all of them. It is, yeah. Um, but the the colors on the back are super cool, and I I love that Apple's embraced that here. But I I just know that like the 16 inch MacBook Pro and the higher end iMac, which are like the computers that I would hypothetically be more interested in. Exactly like you said, it's going to be some other shade of space gray and a silver, and that's going to be it. And then maybe I don't know, maybe a midnight blue or something that only looks blue if you put it in really bright light and squint mm-hmm. Ugh. I'm, all, I'm already mad about it it hasn't happened it's fine whatever um okay so i didn't look at the ipad thing at all so it's all you but <sighs> so you know super not original take i mean i think we even already basically talked through all this last week and the speculation leading up to the event which is you know apple spent the whole time talking about how great and how much better all the hardware specs here are than the current ipad pro and none of it really matters because the software is exactly the same and it's the software that continues to hold back the ipad like there's there's nobody out there complaining that the current ipad pro is slow like there's really no use case where well, people are stretching the limits of the current well, ipad pro so back up so what was the, what was the hardware story what what is the new because all all i saw on tech meme is that there's a mac chip in the ipad so what is the yeah new so iPad? it's so it's the m1 so they, they've brought the m1 to the ipad which you know it, it is interesting. It's also mostly marketing because even if this would have been like an A14 chip from a marketing standpoint, it basically would have just been the M1. So I think the story, or well, no, the story is different between calling it an M1 versus continuing to call it an A processor. But I think the the chip itself would have basically been the same either way. Um but from a storytelling perspective, it is interesting that that they did decide to go with the M1 branding. And I feel like that now is going to do or is going to set some certain expectations around when these iPad Pros are going to be up, upgraded. Like it kind of feels like there's now going to be an expectation these get updated along with the Max, um, which is kind of an interesting dynamic it's also interesting too that by bringing the 
like this this brings the Mac and the iPad closer together in a way that you know Apple's been doing with their software too for a while but there still continues to be this very kind of bright line between iPad OS slash iOS and Mac OS that obviously now gets really blurred when the processor is literally the same across both platforms. Well, one can do things and one can't. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, but there, but you know, there, it's interesting where, you know, Apple's now in this spot where you've got Mac OS. Well, so, so you've got, so you've got the iPad and you've got the Mac. The iPad has a touchscreen, obviously, and also has, you know, pretty good mouse and keyboard support. Yet, it can only run iPad slash iOS apps. And then you've got the Mac, which obviously no touchscreen, only keyboard and mouse input, that can run both Mac apps and certain iPad OS and iOS apps. But again, no no touchscreen. So it's 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 kind of it's strange that the platform that only has one of the two input methods can run software from both platforms, but then the product that's got both input methods can only run software native to its platform. It's a very it's a very, very convoluted software story at the moment, I think. Yeah, so to to take it back to hardware, just to round that up real quick. Like I, I, it does feel like the M series maybe should have been kept separate, but also, I guess like would would you agree that like it, Apple doesn't really have the capacity to try to make chips that are target? Well, I guess like what what processor is going to run the iPhone? Why is I was the question I was expecting wasn't expecting to ask. ask what processor runs in the iPhone thirteen? Is it an H chip or is it that, an H chip? That I think they keep separate. So then, it does the iPad Air and regular iPad continue to always have A chips, and it's only the Pro that runs M chips? I think that's possible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's like where I, I at the high end, if they want the iPad Pro to command the premium price that it does, which is it, it did get more expensive this year. Like, it kind of makes sense, but I do think the differentiation is kind of weird just because philosophically, and now now, now we, I guess we can get into the, the software discussion that you're, um, that you keep teeing up, which is that, I mean, the, and this is something we talked about a lot, like, it's just the, the iPad isn't there for software, and it probably never will be just because they, they won't, they don't ever want to make the commitment to the complexity that would have to be added to iPad OS to make it take advantage of that power because as long as you keep it in like the simplified one app at a time or difficult to use and kind of weird multi app structure like iPad OS is like it's it's not going to take advantage of that power for most uses because it's just not possible because most people like and this goes hand in hand with the iPad with the App Store thing which is that Apple doesn't really make a conducive environment for somebody to be able to make pro software because they don't allow them to charge enough for it. So like, yeah, it, it, they've made a really, really powerful device. And we haven't, we haven't even talked about the mini led thing, which only applies to the gigantic one, but 
allegedly that one has a bigger, brighter display now with a better dynamic contrast ratio. But for the most part, this was a story about, hey, it's got 5G and it's um, uh, got the processor from all these Macs that everybody loves now. But yeah, the software story of the iPad hasn't really changed in two years. And even when it did, they didn't really do anything with like, was it i what 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 was the last redesign of ipad os was it ios 12 when they kind of rethought multitasking for like the third time yeah i think i think so where yeah like it's it's still kind of a mess and they they made a thing where you can dance on one foot and somehow try to copy and paste stuff by putting four fingers on the screen like they tried to make stuff more like rich and like uh, have like power user features but like None of it really stuck. And sometimes if you're like if you're a Mike Hurley type or a Federico, you can remember how multitasking is supposed to work, but it kind of doesn't. And I don't know, like so it's 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 a challenging situation where like, yeah, the hardware is awesome, the software is less so, but also I I'm I'm eager for WWC, but I don't ever think they're going to put the work in or allow themselves the complexity of a computing environment that would afford like greater productivity like cuz i like uh, jason keeps talking about like hey like when is logic and um final cut pro 10 going to arrive on the ipad but is that type of stuff really geared towards touch like i don't know are they going to make a thing where they say, hey, the, yes, you can use this, but only works if you have it in a magic keyboard. I don't think they'd ever do that. I don't know. It's very, well, that, it's very scattered, but, I, I, but I, I agree to your point, which is that the software story leaves a lot to be desired and also kind of questions why this exists. Because, like, yeah, I can run Safari faster now. Cool. I, I feel like there's this conversation every single year around this time of year in the in the lead up to WWDC which is surely this is the year that they rethink software on the iPad like surely this is the year that iPad OS you know gets a big revamp and that people have especially been thinking that once Apple made the decision a couple years ago to you know start formally calling it iPad OS instead of just lumping it into iOS and it and it just it never happens like year after year. I mean, and last year was like so classic where you know it was like, geez, you know, we got we got the trackpad support like in a um, you know thirteen point whatever release. Surely then you know um, iPad OS fourteen is going to be this huge release because they had to get you know, they got to get the trackpad stuff out of the way first because there's going to be so much else to talk about. When in practice, what I think actually happened was Apple had so much else they wanted to talk about at WWDC with, you know, Apple Silicon that they basically wanted to get the iPad out of the way beforehand. You iPad people didn't even get widgets. I love it. I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, So, you know, on one hand, it just feels like we're just, I mean, here we are again, right? Like where we we think that, you know, iPadOS is is bound to get some big updates. but on the other hand, like it, it does kind of feel like, gosh, this has got to be the year. Like, I mean, they even did the, the year, thing. But the year for they, what? But they, well, so they even did the thing again this year that they did. So when they launched 
the iP- the previous you know big iPad Pro revamp a few years ago or a couple of years ago, whenever that was, and they included USB C. They did exactly the same thing that they did yesterday with with Thunderbolt, which is they added it to the hardware and then they had no software story. They're like, hey, we added this port because why not? But like, we're not going to tell you like anything cool you can do with it. And then very slowly, Apple's, you know, added functionality to that USB-C port. And it feels like they're going to do the same thing with the Thunderbolt port. But I mean, gosh, surely that's got to happen sooner, right? Like surely at WWDC, they're going to have to talk about something you can do with that Thunderbolt port, something like Which better is external display support. But, the, but, but, but uh, so I guess I'll flesh that out. So what, so what does that mean? Can you, do you have a windowed environment on an external display or do I, you just I think, ha- I think you've got to, yeah, I think you have to. Can we make a gentleman's wager on that? I, I don't ever see them introducing the concept of windows other than some type of like of that funky slide over thing on an iPad. Well, no, I that's think that's necessary, well, I mean, to, but they to won't be clear. Do well, yeah. I mean, to be clear, I think what Apple like has to do on the iPad is not necessarily what they will do. I mean, I think, <laughs> I think fair, I think, you know, iPad OS is, I mean, it's years. I don't know what the exact number of years, but it's, it's years behind where it should be. Um, so I mean, Apple, Apple needed to make iPad OS a lot better years ago and they, they still haven't. So but it, you know, it just, it feels like there's got to be some story there, but, um, I don't know. I mean, we'll find out soon. WWDC is like seven weeks away, something like that. Yeah. I've already got the address in Google maps. <laughs> um, I guess the, one of the last things here on the iPad, which, which is also kind of a last, um, you know, storytelling or framing thing they did in the event, which I thought was really interesting which is when they started talking about the new fancy display, which which I think, as you pointed out earlier, is only in the bigger versions, not in the 11-inch. Mm-hmm. The way they framed it is they they literally said that this is a Pro Display XDR screen that's been shrunken down for the iPad. And that's where they then talked about, like, the need for mini LEDs instead of, like, standard LEDs. But they, like, they even had, like, like an image of the Pro Display XDR and basically implied that they took that screen technology and then shrunk it down to the iPad, which is, they which is, really, biz- which is really bizarre framing because... Well, it's also not like, accurate. I, mean, I was going to say, like, it's, it's, it's not really accurate and... It's just it's it's I mean it's kind of shitty for both parties. Like it's shitty for people who bought your five thousand dollar display that you're now implying is available in a thousand dollar device. Um and it's crappy for your iPad users because that's they're not really getting exactly a pro display XDR in the iPad. I don't know. I thought that was I thought that was a weird connection that Apple made. And 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 they're calling it you know a liquid retina XDR display. It's because they've run out of ideas with that type of like they they, they they're just pushing. But it, and it's it's just it's so strange too. Be I mean not not to keep harping on the same point, but like like who was complaining about their iPad screen? Like who was sitting there looking at an iPad Pro display and being like, God, this is garbage. Like they really need to update this display. It's just it's it's strange. Yeah. 
and then one it's partially that they they've refused to do oled technology even though it's entirely possible and samsung has done it already in a tablet where and but yeah like again they're just, they're just grasping at straws of 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 ways to command the price that the ipad pro does without having anything that really necessitates what the power is for i mean and that's that's pretty much it like and then they in, in the the uh, the the last thing I guess I'll say about this, which is that them trying to co-opt like any like halo effect or, or like cachet that the um, pro display XDR has is then exacerbated by if you now have it in this like the the cafeteria tray sized iPad and then you have this gulf between that and a six thousand dollar screen. It now even highlights even more the fact of, well, why isn't there just like a regular old screen for people who want it on a Mac. So you can put this amazing technology in a thousand eleven hundred dollar iPad and it somehow is the same thing as a six thousand dollar desktop computer screen. But if I want something for my M1 MacBook Air, there's nothing for me. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah, Apple's display story is yeah, super strange. Um we actually did forget one other iPad feature that's probably worth talking about, which is well, the, the features is called center stage. Oh, and it's and it's, it's okay. enabled by this new um, ultra wide front facing camera that the iPad has. So, you know, a, a, a complaint by many has been the the placement of the front facing camera on the iPad, mm-hmm. which is basically oriented for holding the device in portrait as opposed to landscape. and you know, so there, there's been some rumor, speculation, wish casting that maybe Apple would move the front-facing camera to a horizontal orientation, or you know, maybe they'd even have like two cameras on the device. And what Apple did instead was keep the camera where it, where it's been, but again, they made it an an ultra-wide lens, and they've added this software feature called Center Stage, which is designed to use machine learning to no matter what orientation the iPad's in or kind of like where the iPad physically is to keep you in the center of the frame, including being able to track you as you're moving, mm-hmm. which big, big questions as to like how this is going to work and look in practice. But in theory, if it works well, could be the answer to justifying keeping the camera where it currently is so i don't have a definitive answer than that but i'm going to say the answer is absolutely not because just the way that would work i think this addresses the problem of hey you have your ipad in a magic keyboard stand and you're in the kitchen and you're doing you're doing a a a zoom room with family or whatever and you want to do that that's fine because you're far away and it can zoom in on you and it can do motion tracking uh, similar to what the Echo Show and the Facebook portal do. It does not address, and to, to make this about me, it does not address my complaint, which is that in the Magic Keyboard, if you were using your iPad as a WebEx or a Zoom device, that if you're looking at the other speakers on screen, you look like you're not paying attention because your eyes are in the wrong spot. This doesn't fix that. Like just don't, op- they, don't optically... they have that creepy software feature though that can like make your eyes look like they're looking at the camera? Uh, or is that only on the Mac? 
I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, no. I think that was a feature of FaceTime itself. Oh, and yeah, I, I do not, I do not yeah. want Apple messing with my eyes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do, yeah, I think do, you're right. Tim, yeah. do do not touch my eyeballs. <laughs> now I have to go buy some of those stogies because Tim's going to try to grab my eyeballs. <laughs> um, but no, but like it's it's not going to solve that issue. So yes, if you have it in a thing where you're walking around, of course, yeah, it's going to be able to track you, and that's 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 something that's existed for a while. But in terms of I'm on a 12 person conference and I'm staring at the person who is talking, I'm still going to look like I'm not paying attention because my eyes are off in the distance because I'm looking at the person, but the camera's in the wrong spot. So like, I mean, I normally think I have like a good idea of how optics works, but I, I don't think this solves that issue, but of course nobody has the product in hand. So I really don't think this works for people who, like, isn't every, especially on the pro model, isn't every use case basically in landscape mode? Mm. Like, basically, right? Like, they, 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 they kind of think that the uh, Magic Keyboard is basically like a requirement now. Like, if you're getting the iPad Pro experience, you have a Magic Keyboard and you have an Apple Pencil too. So, I don't, I, I don't think it solves my issue. Like, and I also don't think people really had an issue where, like, you're you're on a, a Zoom call with friends and they're like, oh, no, you stepped into the left side of the frame. How dare you? <laughs> like, I think it's mostly that, hey, like, people are like, hey, are you, are you still paying attention or are you just looking at, like, uh, you scrolling through cute dogs on Instagram? And I mean, yes, <laughs> we know the answer to that question, but that's not why I'm not looking at the screen right now. <laughs> So yes, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's the case, but, um, like it's neat, but yeah, yeah. I I thought when they did the thing where they made it so that the Apple logo was right side up when you have your, like, I think this is a a 14.5 thing, but when you turn on the iPad, the Apple logo is right side up if you have it in landscape mode, but that was, yeah. Oh no, that went long. All right. Anything else? No, I, th- I think that's it. I mean, I guess just to close things out on a positive note, which we like to do. A light and optimistic uh, note. <laughs> nice. Um, it, 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 it was a good event. I think, like I said at the top, had a really good pace to it. I think Apple announced some, some, really, some really cool stuff. But definitely, I think there, there's more, more to say or more that I'm, I'm hoping we hear both at WWDC from a software standpoint and then hopefully later this year with um, higher-end hardware. Yeah, and on the hardware front from this month, we will hear about it in the second half. Second half of May. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right, chef specials. All right, I got a fun one for you this week. Mm. Send you the thing in the thing. I got a stream deck. I don't know what that is. Has this has this only been like an upgrade plus thing? Maybe Mike and Jason have been talking a lot about these lately. Is this a keyboard? Maybe, yeah, maybe it's so Stream Deck. So this device has actually been around for I think quite a while, but for whatever reason, has had a bit of a resurgence lately. I think because people have been finding lots of different use cases for it outside of its original intent, which was to be like a 
almost like little um, control box that streamers could use to switch between different audio sources and different video sources, etc. Um, but this is just this is a little device that that has well, it comes in different different sizes. There's like a mini version that's got I think like six keys on it. There's the standard version, which has got I think twelve keys on it or fifteen keys on it, and then you've got like a an XL one that's just got some extra number of keys. And each key is its own little display. And it's it's super customizable. And you can customize it, you know, by app, or you can have, you know, custom icons for various functions within that app and and have each key assigned to, you know, different commands or or whatever. Um so, you know, like I think Jason's talked about how he's he's mapped a bunch of like um um, like home automation stuff to his and there's there's like a million million different use cases for it but the reason that it caught my attention because i had never heard of this thing until they you know was mentioned on upgrade and when i heard about it my first thought was i wonder if anybody's done a flight simulator thing with mm-hmm. this i was gonna say map that... it to excel and <laughs> nice um, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not quite that boring. Um, and sure enough, a little bit of Google searching and, um, I'll send you, send you a link to this too. Not that this is going to be all that applicable to you, but there's a little piece of software out there very smartly called flight deck where, um, I should try to find the, the creator of this. Cause this is a cool, cool app. So, so I guess I'm not a gamer, but does, are these called macros? Like does, does flight simulator have macros or what is, what is this? What is this let you control? Like, like macro is not really like the, the best, the word I'd use for it. It's like, what's really cool about a device like this is, so like, I'll, I'll give you like a really simple example of like, like think about like landing gear in flight simulator where, you know, you if you if you, if you want to have a key mapped to landing gear to lower or raise your your gear you can you know use a button on your keyboard but you got to remember what that is cuz there's obviously not going to be like any indicator as to what key it is or you could you know and this is a little bit easier i guess you can map it to a key like on your joystick or your flight yoke or whatever you're using but in both of those cases you still have a limitation around like if you wanted to check at a glance if your landing gear was up or down, you wouldn't be able to do that. But with a device like the Stream Deck and then coupled with this Flight Deck software, not only do you have a quick you know, key for that, which is like visually labeled landing gear, it also has a little green or red light on the icon to indicate whether the gear's up or down. Which, you know, not obviously the most like maybe authentic experience in the world, but like for practicality playing flight simulator, that's, that's really cool. Hmm. Okay. That's pretty neat. So wait, how much is this? Or sorry, which so that, size did you, which, which size did you get? And what the, what's the price? I got the, this, the regular size. And that which was the, the other th- nine, 15, I think. Hmm. Yeah. It's 15. Um, 
that was the other thing I thought when Jason and Mike mentioned it on an upgrade. I thought like, oh, this is probably really expensive. 150 bucks. Hmm. So not not terrible. And each individual key is like a screen? It is. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty neat. Does it have Mac support? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mac and Windows. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, it's 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 really cool. And there you know, there's there's a Stream Deck Mini, which I I think is maybe a hundred dollars, hundred and twenty nine dollars, hundred dollars. Um and it's you know, I mean the, so like the thing is too, it's like it's crazy customizable. Like, you know, this this whole flight deck software, like that's something that I could theoretically do on my own. Like I, I could go through and do everything that it that it does. Like it's basically just saving me the work of having to create custom icons and having to go through and like mapping out all the controls in an intuitive way but it's it's something that i could do on my own and just highlights how customizable this is like you can really sort of use it for almost anything you you want to and for any kind of software you want to Hmm. and i did not know that uh elgato was acquired by corsair well i didn't know that either and I think Corsair is the people that used to make flash drives, maybe. <laughs> um, well, so neat. yeah, I mean, this is um, this has been a really neat addition to my flight simulator setup because you know the yoke I have it's it's got some buttons on it, but again, you don't get any sort of like real like feedback from them or any kind of like I guess like status from them. There's also not all that many of them. And so, you know, what I've done, which I, I think I also did, like, as I, when I was a kid playing Flight Simulator, like, you kind of just end up in this situation where you've got your, your yoke, and then you basically kind of, like, put your keyboard kind of, like, on top of it or kind of nearby, and then you've, you've got all your, your keys for diff- different controls just memorized on your keyboard. Um, but this, the Stream Deck is a, is a much, much better experience, because you've got the, the visual feedback as to you know which what key does what and you also have the added um, functionality of then being able to have that key change like the the icon change based on the status of whatever you're controlling it's really neat uh and then last question is there a way to can you like multiply it is there a way to have like there's no button that makes it show like 14 additional options is there well that's that's basically how flight deck works where oh okay so that's got it got it got it okay yeah so it it basically like there's like a like a camera sub menu basically so you like tap that and then that brings up like all the different camera controls there are oh i no, there's i doubt this would work for lightroom but that actually would be kind of cool oh i'm sure if you i'm sure if you google search stream deck lightroom there i'm sure there's different stuff that people have done hmm, neat and the you know the, the the one downside which jason also points out is that the software is not great like the elgato software that it comes with is not great but that's what a lot of these third-party tools can kind of help you not have to deal with yeah all right well i don't have one yet but i guess this is a tease slash maybe <laughs> oh is this is this what was on in that yeah. picture you sent me oh yeah. i didn't i didn't pick up on that yeah 
So, Mister Casper Hater, I can't. Oh no, I, I hate. I I went. Casper is Tempur-Pedic is having to undo what a year and a half of a god awful Casper mattress has done to my back. Wait, you bought you bought a new mattress? I mean, I, I don't want to be creepy, but yeah, no, I I, I hate. Uh, we haven't talked about this. Well, oh yeah, because it's, it's not a tech pick. <laughs> I hope there's no technology in it. Yeah, I, oh, you didn't. You didn't buy one of the fancy smart ones. No, I don't. I don't want one of those hospital beds. Or like, because they're all, they're also really expensive. I think. Well, no, but the, this thing where like you know like the, there's like some sleep number thing that's got like the old person thing where like you you can watch Jeopardy in bed because it lifts up the backside of it. This is getting very off topic, but anyway, but yeah, but I'm trying to undo. One, I'm trying to fix my sleep, and we're gonna talk about that next week when there's a slower week. But there's a lot of both analytics and technology approaches that I'm trying to take towards that. But I don't know if you remember this case, this thing came out like two and a half years ago. It's been out a while. Yeah. And apparently they jacked up the price. Cause I was looking at the verge about it and they were saying that it was too expensive when it came out. And back then it came out, it was like $70. So it got more expensive, but starting at one twenty nine. Uh huh. Wait, what is what is starting? Oh, because you can buy more than one. I see. You can, and you're a sucker not to buy more than one. <laughs> so. Oh my god, you have two of these. I put a thing in the thing. What what did you put in the thing? Seven fifteen p.m. yesterday. What 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 did, did I did, did I miss something? So I got my here? little thing with my with my Apple Watch stand, my Echo Show, and my and one Casper Glowlight and my Kindle, and I got the other one on the other side of the room. Did you, would you, is this, is this threaded somewhere? How does Slack work? And oh, here we go. Oh, I guess, well, I guess I didn't, I mean, A, I didn't pick up on the fact that this was a glow light. And two, I didn't pick up on the fact that there, well, were two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, huh. So, yeah, so I, I don't know. Still, I've had them for about two or three weeks. Um, cautiously like it so uh, well i guess do before we're running long so, but I, I have a question have you ever you you have hue lights in your bedroom right correct have you ever experimented with like the lights coming on like either with like the sunrise scheduling or at a specific time yes do is that currently the case no both me and the lady friend really really did not like that yeah so I, my, my apartment has a lot of natural light, but I kind of, like, I'm somebody who, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this next week, but these have two things. So one, they're not smart. And again, this is going to be a next week topic, but they're not smart. Like they, they, they're Bluetooth, but they just have an app. There's no way to link them into Alexa or do anything like that. But basically the, the gist of it is, is that you can flip it over and you can determine how long you want it to be at full brightness and then gradually dim to off like either 15 30 or 45 minutes and i have found that that's very very nice for kind of unwinding before bed and just reading until the light goes out and then you're done like i find that to be very nice but and you can also schedule it to be like hey like just over the course of 30 minutes brighten to full brightness and hopefully that will make your first alarm easier to deal with and that is also kind of not bad so there'll be more on this next week but this is, this is not definitely not a chef special but this is a yeah people go look at it before before next week and uh so that way they're less judgy kind of not bad 
and definitely not a chef special. Put that on the box, Casper. <laughs> I, you know, they've they've got reviews on this webpage. I I do not think this thing actually has 172 <laughs> five star reviews, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's okay, maybe. <laughs>